Welcome to Gamers on the Go, a podcast dedicated solely to those games you can take with you. I'm your host, Chase Kennecke. Today's show is on Attack of the Friday Monsters, exclamation point, colon, a Tokyo Tale, and my guest is Matt Gare. Hi, Matt. Hey. It's been a while, and by a hey, while, I mean a... it hasn't really been that long. <laughs> I haven't seen, I haven't talked to you since last decade, so it's been a <laughs> that, while, actually. You know what? True. Good point. Great point. Uh, yeah, uh, we, we had been talking about doing another one of these episodes. We just did Game of the Year, uh, but we were talking about doing another episode here and thought about maybe let's get into it, do a shorter game, and Attack of the Friday Monsters, I think, is the perfect shorter game to, uh, to kick off 2020. You know, a nice, 20, a nice 2013 game uh, <laughs> yeah. is the perfect way to start off 2020. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, yeah, this is a fun one. I've had I've had this on my 3DS for a very long time and have always meant to play it. I think I played like five minutes of it and then needed to go do something else and then never came back to it. Um, <laughs> so it was good to to get back in and play this game because I think this game's pretty cool. Um, mm. We've got a lot of background stuff uh, to get through, so I'll just kind of get some of that out here pretty quickly. Uh, Attack of the Friday Monsters released July 17th, 2013. That's at least in the States. Uh, platform, 3DS. Uh, this is a downloadable game on the eShop. It's uh, developed by Millennium Kitchen Co. Limited, which mm-hmm. uh, we'll, we'll talk about more when we get into the game, but they have done uh, some other uh, Japan-only games that are kind of in this style, this kind of adventure, adventure mm-hmm. kind of game. And it's published by Level 5. Um so Attack of the Friday, a couple other games at the same time too, uh, which I'm sure you uh, will mention a bit too. Definitely, we will we will talk about that at length, uh, pretty much right now. Uh, so Attack of the Friday Monsters, just just to get like some general knowledge for people before we get into the background and minutia. Um, Attack of the Friday Monsters in Japan, it's called the Fridays that appear on uh, the monsters that appear on Friday. <laughs> the which Fridays is... that appear on Fridays, holy crap! <laughs> the Friday the Fridays that appear on monsters. Uh, anyway, uh, um, it's billed as an action adventure game. I think the action part is a little overstated. A little. <laughs> uh, it's really this mostly chill game about this boy living in a quiet Japanese town that just so happens to be visited by monsters. You know, every so often, maybe like every week or so. Uh, yeah weird (laughs) on a specific day maybe uh and no one in the town seems particularly phased by this occurrence Mm. it's like it's part of their daily lives or weekly lives i guess in this case but the kids want to know what's up but the the adults are just like "Uh, yeah it's a thing that happens right like hey be back before dark because you know we know the monsters are gonna be fighting so it's like okay sure like that's there's like there's a tv station in the town too weird man maybe maybe that has something to do with things we'll we'll have to figure that out what's (laughs) Um, this foreigner dude doing here too what's up with (laughs) frank Oh, we'll we'll talk about Frank. Uh, but before we go deeper into that, let's let's get into some history and context. Uh, so, Attack of the Friday Monsters is part of a compilation of games known as the Guild Games, and they're all relatively small games made by these smattering of of Japanese developers, many many of whom are famous, um, but or just really creative. And and this is Level Five, the publisher, uh, kind of brings these 
people together. It, it almost reminds me of like a, a UFO 50 that we, mm-hmm. we don't have that yet, but like Derek Hughes putting together those 50 smaller games into into one kind of thing. This is a or similar... Or the uh, Playdate that's going to come out soon. Sure, Playdate's another great, great um, call to, to what this is. Um, so Level 5 just is giving these uh, Japanese developers... Um, a small budget saying, "Hey, make a really cool little game that you know you wouldn't be able to make otherwise, and we're gonna put them all together on this little compilation, and and sell them as a single cartridge in Japan at least. And then uh, I I don't know if they were ever meant to come over to America, but when they did, they know, were, yeah, yeah, when they did, they were broken up in in piecemeal and then sold uh, individually on the eShop." Uh, some of them at different times, at different rates, um, but yeah, kinda. Guild One and Guild Two, yeah, they're uh, just a small collection. Yeah, we got them here; they were all like eight bucks a piece, and yeah, I picked up the first wave of them: uh, Crimson Shroud, Attack of the Friday Monsters, and I'm trying to remember the other one. Liberation, Liberation uh, Maiden, Attack of the Friday yeah. Monsters is part of Guild O Two, though. So. Yeah, same with Liberation, I think as well. Uh, uh, I think Liberation's the first one from Guild O One. Yep, you're right. Not that. <laughs> uh, it, it helps that I have the research yeah. right in front of me. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, I'm just trying to remember who did who developed uh, Crimson Shroud. It was uh, Yasumini Matsunono, which does Final Fantasy Tactics and all right. that thing. That's what made me interested in these this uh, like trio of games that came out. And totally. I was like, oh, I just got a 3DS. I need games. Bye, bye, bye. It's only eight bucks. And <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I didn't really play Attack of the Friday Monsters at first either, but I really dug into Crimson Shroud, which is, if uh, just to quickly gloss over that, it's just a very kind of like almost like miniaturized uh, dungeon crawler game of like, you know, dice roll turn based RPGs. Like literal uh, dice rolls. Very literal dice, exactly. And very literal miniatures. But uh, it's, it kind of just reminds me of Vagrant Story because it's kind of a very solemn kind of game as well, too. And, yeah. uh, didn't have time to revisit it, cause, but I do want to revisit it because it's, it's really good. Uh, and Liberation Maiden, pretty good too. Just a, It's kind of like Kid Icarus. We're, we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit more about Liberation okay, Maiden okay. here in a bit. Okay, let's do that. Because <laughs> uh, that game seems very up my alley, and I'm pissed at myself that I hadn't played it. Uh, when mm. I was doing research, I went, man, this... Maybe we should have done the podcast on this game instead. Maybe next time, but Maybe. I was more interested in watching some uh, some kaiju and uh, some other stuff for this episode, so F- I kind of sidetracked instead of playing Liberation Maiden. Fair enough. Uh, so level, <laughs> let's get back here. Level 5 is the publisher. Mm-hmm. Level 5 you might know from titles like Professor Layton. Um, if you are a longtime Gamers on the Go listener, you'll remember back in episode 7 that I did an episode on Professor Layton, the whole series, well, the whole series at that point, which was still just the DS, um, with mm. Evan Killam, who uh, oh, yeah. is a fantastic writer, podcaster. Um, they also worked on the Nino Cooney franchise, Fantasy Life, Yokai Watch. Uh, there's there's a multitude uh, of other kind of games, been doing the D- Dragon Quest games for the yep. longest time now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, developer and publisher, they, they do a lot of cool stuff. Um, and they made these two sets of games, the, the Guild games, Guild 01 and Guild 02. Um, we're not going to go deep into all those games, but I did want to talk a little bit about the, the different Guild games. Um, so the very first one, this is Liberation Maiden. This is a shooter game that was designed by Suda51 and Grasshopper Manufacturer. Uh, it's very anime. 
very very anime you are the president of the whatever and uh-huh. also a teenage girl it's the distant future a country yep. a country has invaded japan and is looking to steal all of their energy you play as a high school girl who is Pilots now the president of japan because her father was assassinated and she has to get in the robot shinji and fight back in her mech and if that's not See, anime, it's done by bones, so I think it's more like Razafon instead. Exactly. Well, so, like, fair. Okay. Um, okay, I'll 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 pilot this. What's good? Oh man, yeah, this is bad. I was just gonna say, if that's not anime enough, it also got cutscenes by Studio Bones, who you might know from Carol and Tuesday or My Hero Academia mm-hmm. or Mob Psycho One Thousand. Um, yep. But if you like lasers and drunken missiles and explosions, that uh, that game that game might be might be up your alley it's definitely up I have my to revisit alley it. It, the controls are all touchscreen and it's like yeah surprising it's it's okay like kittigars feels just a little better for some reason sure. and this game it just really cramped my hands but I, i'm willing to give it another shot at some point because it's it's high quality at least yeah like values. at the very least i want to watch the cutscenes, but i i think i just want to experience what this game's all about uh so i ended up picking it up during during researching of this game that we're going to talk about <laughs> um but haven't played it yet an uptick so on be... the eShop is like oh someone bought liberation <laughs> yes the suit is like this. wait wait what happened <laughs> somebody bought this game i did i thought the D- 3ds was dead what happened must have been a bot <laughs> Well, like now, 64. now that now it's going to get another bump from you know all the mm-hmm. listeners we have from this show who are just foaming at the mouth to uh, to still def- only eight bucks on the eShop. It's worth it. It's completely worth it. Anyway, uh, Gildo One. It also has games like Aeroporter, which is a little bit less anime. It's a it's a sim game where you manage yeah, baggage at an airport. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Crimson Shout. You mentioned that kind of D and D dungeon crawling mm-hmm. game. Uh, and then Weapon Shop de Omase, or Omas, uh, where you kind of play a rhythm game to make weapons for fantasy heroes to fight in dungeons, <laughs> uh, which sounds a lot like, oh, there's there's a couple other games that do this. I mean, there was a Dragon Quest that had you play as a shopkeeper for a bit, right? Yeah, and there was what, like the Final Fantasy games where you're like the king of the uh, kingdom and send people out kind of like stuff like that too yeah I, there was something even more recent too is moon is that what moonlighter is like maybe uh like i'm you not go in, sure i'm not you really go into the dungeons yourself to make stuff that then you sell in a shop or something like that uh it's a cool I, there, concept yeah there are some other games that kind of do this but weapon shop day on mass 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 a it's french <laughs> Um, so that was Gildo 1 it had those four games all in that compilation and then they've been sold over here separately Uh, I think Weapon Shop took longer to come out but it finally did Uh, and then Gildo 2 was made up of three games and that came out in the very next year that that first guild Mm. was in 2012 Uh, this is 2013 it started with Attack of the Friday Monsters which you know of course we'll get into um, then also Bugs vs. Tanks, which came from <laughs> yeah. uh, Mega Man co-creator Kenji Ad- Ken- Keiji Inafune. Um, and then the Starship Damry, which is a first-person survival horror game. Um, so, Matt, you've already talked a little bit about Crimson Shroud, and we've talked a little bit about Liberation Maiden. Have you played any other of the guild games? I have not. I haven't uh, either. I totally forgot about the, the second wave of them. And, yeah, these apparently did also come to North America, so it's... Uh, the Bugs versus Tank, I'm hesitant because uh, Irofune's been like, you know, just track records. Little, little hit and miss. Hit or miss sometimes. Little hit and miss. <laughs> uh, the Starship uh, Dharma, it sounds pretty interesting, to the, though, too. Uh, though, again, like, you know, it's a first-person shooter on a, on a or first-person game on a DS is, yeah. like, kind of, mm, yeah, yeah. 
it can be kind of scary if I turn all the lights out and I'm in bed. Sure. Maybe. You know what? Maybe we should do a show sometime, or maybe not with you, like whoever, whoever wants to be on it. <laughs> whoever. Um, uh, like a first-person handheld, uh, first-person games on handhelds. Uh, we well, we already talk, did we, Metroid Hunters, so what yeah, else is there? We could bring there, up really? a little bit about Metroid Hunters <laughs> again. Uh, there was, there was that uh, that, uh, that uh, survival horror one that was a first-person kind of shooter in the uh, kind of like an insane asylum that was kind of Lovecraftian oh, a bit too. Was there like an Outlast that came out? Kind, kind, not really like Outlast because I think you had it was more like you could use guns as well too later in the game. I forget oh, okay. what it was. It came out on DS a long time ago, and it has a sequel. Uh, Dementium the Ward? No, is that that's something. Anyway, let's right. get back on topic. I know, I know, I'm, some Call of Duties have come to to oh, DS, yeah. uh, DS yep. and 3DS. That'd be fascinating. Um, but yes, anyway. Uh, I haven't played any of the guild games either, uh, other than Attack of the Friday Monsters and soon uh, Liberation Maiden. But uh, I love the you idea. Really try of these. Crimson Shroud. I, that's, what I, that's my piece about it. I, I might. I might. It does. I, I like the. I like the look of it. I like the miniatures idea. Uh, I like the dungeon crawling strategy stuff. Um, so that that might be a cool thing to to try as well. Anyway, I think that is. All the context we need to just start talking about Attack of the Friday Monsters here. Yes. Um, I want to read the first thing that the game tells you. It, it starts with a black screen, hits up mm. some white text, and I just think it's, it's worth reading just to kind of set a tone. <clears throat> In the 1950s, the prospering Japanese film industry reinvented the monster movie. The giant monsters of the era were kaiju that often symbolized the effects of pollution, such as radiation and hydrogen bomb experiments. In the 1960s and 70s, the hero show was born. Brave heroes challenged the kaiju on primetime television, and the entire nation tuned in. The heroes were just as big as the monstrous kaiju, but they were more like friends to the children of Japan, or even a father that would protect them, no matter the sacrifices he had to make. Which kind of just ends up telling you the whole <laughs> the whole plot of the game. It's definitely the running theme, especially when you get to the end of this like kind of. It's like a short story video game, almost like a visual novel. Yes, it more, has it like, has been likened to a visual novel. Uh, it kind of reminds me of game. Night in the Woods in a way uh, for, for the way it plays, kind of in the fact that it, uh, so far as like to get through the story, you have to go to these places. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a there's a sort of underlying gameplay element to this game too, but instead in like Night in the Woods, it's more of like here's a little mini game or here's a little something to change it up, or you don't have to choose to talk to everybody in that game. This is a bit a little bit more straightforward. It has a mini map and everything, and you can go to point to point and find e- out what things are. Yeah, I mean it's open world in a way in that you Ish, can kinda. go around the world, but there's and the it- world is just this small town. That you can't cross the train tracks because the train's always running. Yeah, you can't cross the train tracks, and also you can't go past the road because there are monster footprints mm-hmm. that are in there that are too deep yep, that, that you too. can't you can't pass through. Um, so it's a he it's plays, a very uh, Sohata Sota is Sota. like mm-hmm. he's like he's like seven or eight or something like that. Yeah, so it's he's, like he's a pretty his young world kid. to him is you feel it's kind of small, just like you know when you're that age, like just like your own little town it can be just your whole world and it can feel pretty massive in its own right and then when you get older it's like man that was my world at the time it's it's kind of like a terrarium almost and Mm. and i think night in the woods is a really good uh comparison to that because that is another game where you start to just really learn like not so much the layout of the world because it's it's kind of just a 2d plane in in, in, uh, night in the woods 
yeah, like you know where things are, you go talk to people, uh, you notice when things are missing or have changed because you, you walk those streets enough times. And uh, I think there are some similar kinds of things in Attack of the Friday Monsters where, you know, sometimes the restaurant owner isn't in his restaurant or this mm-hmm. kid is is now um, over at the playground instead of, you know, over by the shop or whatever. Yeah. Um, but you, you start to really learn the layout of this town. And then they also have a, a, a nice helpful mini map there at the bottom that more or less tells you where to go all the Pretty time. Exactly tells uh, you where to go. Yeah, there there are a couple times where it it doesn't, and that's kind mm-hmm. of frustrating after they've tell after they tell you everywhere else you need to go. Yeah, that, that'll get to a little part at the end when we get to like the end spoilers mm-hmm. of this game, I guess. But yeah, yeah there was one little frustrating part. It's like, where do I go next? Uh, uh, okay, I, I guess I go eat. Nope. Uh, uh, oh, that's what it was. Just right. talk to everybody. And and being a small enough map, it's it's pretty easy to, even mm-hmm. when you're stuck, you can just kind of brute force it because there really just aren't that many options available to you. Uh, it is it, funny. You, un- you unlock like one shortcut in yeah. the entire game. Yeah. You open yeah. a gate on the other, other side. And it's <laughs> like, ah, the classic shortcut in the right. town. A gate I couldn't <laughs> jump over. Um. So the story is actually really linear, even if the game, like the story, the story doesn't feel linear because there are all these different episodes that start mm-hmm. and stagger with each other. They they call all of their missions or side missions these episodes to, to kind of fit in with this TV station theme. Uh, it, it kind of feels like with the monster show stuff. Um, but these these like complete and start at different rates and sometimes you'll be doing one part of the story and it unlocks another part of a story over here and it it gives it a feel like there's some player choice in it or like you're uh you have some more options available to you but you really don't it's just kind of telling all these different stories at different paces and it just so happens that this is the order they kind of fall into, and and I yeah. think that's fine. But it's it is it is definitely not an open world game. It, it can be a little confusing. Like episode six starts, and it's the theme of like you know, uh, uh, like kind of it starts like with you having to do a laundry order because mm-hmm. Soda's parents are both uh, laundrymen and laundrywomen, and they uh, are in town. They just arrived, and he has to deliver this laundry to is it a uh, Emily? I forget who's the woman that is has the uh, father's the policeman. Yeah, I forget. Please don't ask me to remember everybody's names. I know. Sorry. Yeah, there's a lot of names. <laughs> I I just remember Billboard because that's such a good right name. Billboard A plus. Like the the kids the kids S-chan. nicknames are all pretty Frank. good. If, if Frank and Frank is great. Um, but yeah, like you, you were touching on it, so let's let's get into it here. Kind of more of the setup here. It's it's this quiet Japanese town. The year is 1971. You're playing as Sota, who's this this young boy uh, whose family just came to down came to town. There's this very charming song that the game starts with that, mm-hmm. that helps to set all this up. Uh, his dad runs a dry cleaner. His mom loves to cook. <laughs> his mom loves to cook, but she makes mistakes too. Isn't that isn't that nice? What a yeah. what a way to to say that about your mom. Uh, mm-hmm. But that's kind of that childlike uh, childlike intuition here. Wonderment kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but in the in the game, you start by delivering this laundry for the family business. But you also make friends with the local kids, and eventually, you're kind of going on this mission to learn the truth 
about where these monsters that show up every Friday. Yeah, there's like footprints and then a, a UFO that shows up in the crash site. And it's like, totally. what is going on? And why aren't, why aren't the police doing anything about it? I brought it up to the police and he he told me to, you know, go talk to somebody else about it. And it's like, that's your job. <laughs> <laughs> um, but out, outside of this monster mystery, uh, it's 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 really reminiscent of of the developer Millennium Kitchen's previous work, and and they have a series that they work on called the Boko no Natsuyasumi game games, mm. uh, which translate to My Summer Vacation or Boku's Summer Vacation. But Boku is kind of a Japanese thing for me, so it yeah, it's a yeah. it's a it's a pun. It's it's a, a, a <laughs> uh, uh, gendered kind of term like yeah. Itachi and Boku. It, it's it's can be a little you know uh, that sort of like grammar kind of thing it's uh, it's like the context it's like when the persona force protagonist is named you <laughs> that's cute um but anyway so the uh the boku no natsuyasumi games uh they're they're kind of like this uh free form relaxing maybe like animal crossing without without as much of the routine to that kind of like a visual novel kind of laid backness a little bit but i visual novels may be giving it a little bit too much structure like it's it's Mm. really just kind of walking around a town a lot like attack of the friday monsters you're walking Mm -hmm, around mm -hmm. a town but you're also going fishing collecting bugs um talking to people you know just enjoying your summer vacation and each of these games in the in the series kind of takes place in a different prefecture of japan and that's you just get to see Boku's adventures in all these different places. Uh, those are those are locked to PlayStation platforms. I think the first one came out for PS1. Um, eventually, there was one for PS3. Uh, there's been one for the PSP as well. Um, and I believe they're no still PS2. Work- <laughs> no PS2's in there as well. Uh, it's okay, it's okay. over over the course of of all these. <laughs> Very systems. odd generation of skip uh, <laughs> if you start on the PS1. Holy uh, crap. But there there hasn't been one on PS4 yet, and these are all mm. uh, Japanese only games, so we we're not uh, we don't have fan translation. Americans well, we wouldn't understand this kind of this kind of game anyway. <laughs> sure, they don't like games like Animal Crossing. <laughs> Nobody's no, looking forward to those kinds of games. Um, <laughs> But it, they they seem they seem pretty cool. Uh, I know uh, Ray Barnholt of uh, Scroll mm-hmm. and of Retronauts and One Up Fame. Uh, he is very into these games, and I think there actually is a whole issue of Scroll out there where he interviews the developers and talks a lot about the oh nice uh, that series and and also mentions a little bit uh, Attack of the Friday Monsters. Um, so while it's not exactly a low stakes game because. The, the kids are out here doing Super 8 or whatever, like trying to figure out what these yeah, monsters are doing. Like that. Yeah. Um, so the stakes, the stakes aren't necessarily low, but it's definitely very low key, at least in the in the tone of mm. the game. Nobody seems... But they still make it kind of feel like there are some stakes to it because it, it, the game does this weird thing where it makes you think, like, is this really, like, all happening? Or is this just a very active imagination yeah and and i think the game does play with that and and we'll mm-hmm. we'll definitely re- circle back to this uh near when we talk about the ending but i got a real firewatch vibe out of some of this where mm. you know it starts pretty straightforward and you know things you know you can always link back logically like oh well this is probably why this is happening but then you definitely get to some situations where like is there a supernatural thing happening? And then the I game kind of goes, no. But then the game also kind of goes, yeah. At the very end of the like the very coda of the game, it's like, 
Oh yeah, this is. Could it be? Maybe. Mm, we'll get into the frustrating maybe, parts maybe of this game. Maybe it's aliens. We'll get into the frustrating ending of this game later. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> um, uh, so anyway, let me look. Let me look back at my notes here. Uh, it 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 is very short. You'll get through this story in a handful of hours. I think you said mm-hmm. two and a half. Um, I just get through the main game. There's a little like the like I said like this takes place all over across just a single day. Right. Uh, uh, if you like concepts like that, uh, it's pretty fascinating. And then the bonus stage is or the, the end game that goes on is Saturday. It's so. really it's really the same game as God of War. Uh, you know, just takes place over one <laughs> long one, cut. One, that's, one. You know. Well, no, it's it, the controls are more like tank, like uh, Resident Evil. So it always cuts angles. All yeah, the time, so it's it does not have, a single take. <laughs> it does have those all. kind of pre preset rooms with preset camera angles that you go through. It's just that the and you rooms can even play this written. like you can play this with the circle pad and get full analog control that way. Or you can play with a D-pad where you're turning left and right and pressing B to just walk forward. Mm, That's an interesting way to play. I found that at least helpful when it's just like I'm going in a straight line. I can just hold down B and I'm good to go. Sure. And Uh, and it's better. Instead of holding forward on the circle pad. And and it's better than like moving to one screen and then be holding Mm -hmm. the the direction. And then it just makes you run back. It reminded me a lot of there's some Pokemon games that do that where you like run Mm. up the stairs. And then when you get to the next level, it it's the same way to go down the stairs so you just kind of keep going yeah, you up just and down gotta remember and to let up on the stick for a second when you transition to a new screen yes. and be like okay now go in the direction my character is facing kind of <laughs> got to get back to neutral um so it took me a little bit longer if it only took you about two and a half hours it took me longer and that's because i played a lot of a mini game that's in here uh, that is There's a card game in this baby. So it's a mini game, but it's also very central to the game, and and it is mm-hmm. uh, monster cards. That's what that's what all the kids are playing these days, and you get monster cards by collecting glim, which I guess are just like pieces of cards or I guess, something, and, the, and you tape them together or something. <laughs> like I remember back in the day, we would we're totally into the uh, Marvel line of trading cards and mm-hmm. they would make these awesome collages. Like you'd have sure. Spider-Man in the middle and his rogue gallery and this like three by three, nine card thing. And we'd be trading like, I want to get this one so I can complete my, my sheet right. of all the characters and seeing Spidey's web and going off for like, ah, there's bullseye and there's the green <laughs> goblin. It's like, what if every card, even the weakest ones were also Exodia <laughs> Exactly. from uh from exactly. Yu-Gi-Oh. Uh, oh my god <laughs> uh but yeah you have to collect you have to collect all the glim and i think it's 10 glim per per card and or the, something like that the glim yeah. are just scattered everywhere in the world and and they, once you complete an episode they pop out of people as well too so right it's so like it's free glim for for completing the quest but that's also frustrating because it's not enough to just walk around the world and collect all the glim because then you have to continue the story and then more Mm. glim shows up everywhere and (sighs) it's not it's not fun if you're a very ocd about trying to collect everything and i was like ah (laughs) yeah i was just at some point i'm just like i got enough cards to win because the the way this game card game works is basically it's rock paper scissors at first and when you get a draw then it reverts to the power levels unless you get a special card where the draw doesn't matter and you win anyway (laughs) exactly (laughs) And uh, yeah, like you said, you just have to collect a bunch and then you get, you know, the, you basically on the bottom screen, you can go to your, uh, the uh, card collection, read about the monsters, which is kind of cool. You learn yeah. like when I they think, appeared. I think the monster cards game is lame. I think the monster cards themselves 
are yeah, awesome. Are cool. Maybe the best part of the game. Did you have a favorite monster card? Uh, I'm trying to remember. Uh, the name. The, the names one? are I, also great. I have. I have my DS here, so pardon the <laughs> noise. Let me. Let me look at my card list. But sure. I think, like, uh, Eagleian is pretty cool. I was gonna say that one. The atrocious avian Eagleian. And that's like you can play their sounds as well too. Oh, it's uh, so good. Cube is also really weird. Yeah, he, he looks. Cube uh, looks kind of like a, a Evangelion looking thing like that i know yeah it would make like so some much like sense. late late stage angel or something totally like that. absolutely uh jumbo gone is also really freaking cool oh, what's he? it's like uh he's got like this weird like like tail on his back with some fake eyes oh or something yeah like that. He's, he's kind of like a almost like a king Ghidorah in a sense like he's got kind of that look to him ish yeah th- those yeah, like like kaiju movies and a lot of uh, the same uh, kind of uh, toku uh, satsu and shows and everything. Sure, the monster designs are why you keep coming back to these things because they are just sometimes over the top and just amazing and some just so weird. Yeah, like the that avian uh, eagle Arian that we talked about is is literally just an eagle in an astronaut suit. <laughs> it's almost like Sam Eagle. Like, yes, as he, it's Falco. Were, yeah it's falco or uh storm eagle right oh yeah from mega man x that's another good one uh, i was gonna pull up the Mis- mischief makers but i forget what that that character's name oh is. right yeah, yeah yeah uh anyway so the the monster card minigame you know it becomes more prominent as the game goes on i i don't think it's great like you said it is some rock paper scissors yeah, um and it's fairly easy although it's it's funny like you when you win you become that uh, the loser becomes the servant and you are the boss and yes. then you do a ninjutsu move on them which you can customize you, as well too do you know what your do you remember what your uh... I have my setup right here Hold yeah on. please uh, please tell me uh, what was it uh, edit spell my spell was uh, don don guru guru jiwa jiwa suddenly muchbon boyo boyon doran doran oh wait no that wasn't it no sorry don don muchon fall down yeah something like that uh, it's it's weird but you can customize it to like these different little little phrases that were like you know just kind of like little uh like what we have here is like uh the circle game or punch buggy and things like that without the the violence i guess right you cast this spell they fall down they fall down though say, Matt. Oh, yeah i know <laughs> But you say arise and then they're okay and then the, and then you're you're uh, their servant. Yeah, the, it reminded they are your servant. It reminded me of like a, a jinx you owe me a coke kind of thing. Yeah, like pretty yeah, much. hey, when I say arise, now you can arise. But you know, I'm I'm the master now and you're the servant until you beat me in in monster playful cards. games that kids play and things like that. Totally. So, uh, uh, but the crux is that at the end of the game, you have to like, do you have to be the boss of everybody? Uh, yeah. At the end of the game. Yeah. Okay, because I was like, once I became the boss, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not gonna play this again that, that <laughs> fast anyway. Because if I'm the boss already, that's okay. Right. There, there are some story beats where you have to be somebody's boss to get them to tell you some information, uh, or to move the story forward at different points, and and then yeah, when you get to the end of the game. So there are only 15 monster cards, which aren't, mm. which aren't terribly hard to collect. Uh, there will be two copies of most cards, though, and then you can combine those cards. This is like this is part of the middle part of the game where I think it's actually kind of strategic and interesting. Of 
I, hey, I have more cards. I could use both of these eagles if I want two pairs of scissors or whatever. Um, but it's it might be more in my favor to combine these two eagle cards, and now the power level of that one's better, so it wins more times in draws. But mm-hmm. now I'm losing out on a card, and you have to make some kind of strategic choices. And then after that, you start getting cards that have double effectiveness, which is really stupid to have double effectiveness in a rock, paper, scissors game. But they also seem to lose way more often. Yeah. <laughs> I, I never found any of those to be good. And then there are just some cards that are just straight up random where it's like, oh, I'll be a power level of one or a power level of 20. Who knows? Weird. I didn't get that far. <laughs> yeah. At least some of the, the card part of this. Some of the end game cards are are not great and hard to get and there's one card i didn't get i didn't get the 14th card which really pisses me off because my lucky number (laughs) is 14 um but i didn't get like 99.9 percent in gran turismo 2 you'll never get that hundred percent because of a glitch and i think to get that 14th card like you need to beat one girl i think it's actually s chan you need to Mm. you need to beat s chan yeah, like you, 10... you get Glim as well for beating uh, characters as well, especially at the end game. Right. So you need to beat her so many times, and she has a random chance of giving you this Glim, but she only gives you Glim if you're already the boss of her. So you have to beat her twice con- consecutively to even have a chance to get one of the Glim. And mm. what we haven't talked about is that, yes, it's just rock, paper, scissors, but it's also just... Power level. It's so random that it you can't you can't guarantee you you can't get good at this game like you can be... well i mean there's also like it gives you hints like it like before you also have to swap two cards everyone like both you and your opponent have to swap two cards in place yeah let me just read and the rules everything is face down uh, i'll just i'll just kind of read the rules yeah, read is the where rules. is where they i wrote the rules straight from what they said um where is it here? there's no way this can this can play out in real life because who can give you hints of like, oh, you're gonna win or lose, right? And who based can, on these upside down cards? And who can combine your cards already to turn them into new cards? Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's like five games of rock paper and scissors in one. Each monster has a type: rock paper scissors and a number. Uh, the type determines who wins, but in the event of a time a tie, the higher number card wins. Both players play place five cards face down. Then both players get the chance to swap positions of two cards. After some hints are given by the game that kind of tell you how things are going to go, they'll say, hey, this pair of cards, you'll win. This pair of cards, the opponent's going to win. So you might want to change that card out. Uh, So you get to change them, and then the CPU also gets to change them. But it's only two cards out of five, which can't... (laughs) If you get lucky and all of your cards would beat all of their cards then it doesn't matter if they swap two of their cards because you'll still win. Mm-hmm. <sighs> but it forces... It's, it's a very game of chance that is just computer-based, and it's... And the computer is it's stupid. It's not the driving force of this game, but it's a li- it's fascinating in, in its own way. Like, But, <sighs> I, again, I just like the cards themselves, yes. which is the best part. Which, pissed, which pissed me off. It's like, I want to see the cool cards. <laughs> I want to see the art. Yeah. I, wanna, I, wanna I want face... that completion, damn it. I do want the completion, but at the same time, I don't want to play this card game because it's not fun. It's completely random. The computer, I won't say the computer cheats because the computer also makes a ton of dumb mistakes where it'll mm-hmm. just switch cards that they know they're going to win and switches them anyway. 
it's mm. sometimes you go first and switching and sometimes you know what your opponent is going to be switching before you have to do it yeah uh, which is also luck based it's like whoever yeah. is winning at the time so what like the ideal way to to play this game and by ideal way i mean to i mean the ideal luck that you can kind of get dealt is i think you losing three to two because you'll get two pieces of information and then it'll throw like a third piece of information at you and you also get to go after the opponent. So mm -hmm. they, like that's the best way of going, okay, I know exactly which ones I can win and then I can swap these cards. And as long as they don't completely screw me over by swapping weird cards, then I should win this one. But it it's so random how the game shakes out every single time that even yeah. even your little nudge one way or another really doesn't change anything and it sucks at the end where it's you have whatever to, to get to get through the game though you just have to make sure you're the boss of everyone by the end and that's not very totally hard. and and there are no stakes to them so like you lose they perform the spell on you it takes a little bit of time and then you can just play them again and it's fine. you won't get extra information or hints somewhere to go next though for certain parts of the game oh, if you don't have somebody's boss like uh uh, what was the the other girl? Not S Chan. The other girl that's yeah. been living in the town right. will tell you to go find the bully who usually is under the train tracks. Like, hey, maybe go check under the train tracks. Even though you probably would go there anyway because the whole place is not that big. Sure. So, uh, a bit more of a direct route. Like it tells you, you know, there's a hint that comes up. Like, hey, please, please pay attention. You <laughs> might get hints if you're the boss of people, or they might give you information that you normally wouldn't if you weren't a, you know, if you weren't the servant. So. Right, and I do like the tutorials. Like they, they are written in English, <laughs> but they are spoken in Japanese. And same the, with some of the dialogue as well too that comes up in the game too. Yeah, the game is nice, kind of fascinating little touch. It's kind of narrated from s chan's perspective way in the future like the spoiler i guess we're gonna talk yeah. about spoilers but it sounds like s chan and sota get married eventually um, or something or something like they they are together at some point and so s chan is kind of telling you kind of things that have happened in the story uh she doesn't really give things away though it's not it's not like her reminiscing that much it's just kind of her giving you the information of the game and then later when things happen, then she starts kind of reminiscing and, and relating mm -hmm. this information. Um, but I, I just really like it. I like that it's untranslated and that she, well, at least the the voice is untranslated. The voiceover they, is untranslated, but yeah, the, nice. and and there's no like voice acting in the game. Everything you have to read anyway, mm -hmm. so it's like you know, it's and, not difficult. At and all. she also reads out the spells, and the spells are great. Yeah, uh, yep, you read that is cool. you read your spell, but I I must also read mine because <laughs> uh, I'm very I'm very proud of my spell. Uh, let me find it here. I know it starts with Jiwa Jiwa. I can just do a random search for Jiwa Jiwa. <laughs> I wish I could just play it off my DS. Like there was a way just to uh, play. Oh, here, confirm spell. Yeah, you can play it. And I guess I've I it. guess I've got to do mine now. Now that you've now that you've forced my hand, good thing I'm <laughs> good thing I'm ready with it here. Let's uh let's try. Always prepared. Uh, I fell down. Yeah, I I liked all the I liked all the like the uh, hyphenated ones that you could get. So I was a jiwa jiwa fuwa fuwa kuran kuran <laughs> fall down machun. Uh, it was <laughs> oh, nice. Very, very good. Um, There's a lot of nice little touches in this game. 
Very much so. Even even that, even the spell thing is a nice touch. There was a, an interview on the Gaming Intelligence Agency with the with the, the head game designer, Kaz Ayabe, um, mm-hmm. where he was talking, you know, the game is set in 1971, and it's explicitly set in that date because of that's when an Ultraman uh, show came on that he watched as a kid, and so that was very important to him. But the spells themselves uh, come from a 1932 Japanese movie, called uh i was born but and the kids the kids in that movie casted spells on each other in a very similar way to this so he's like even even though this is a game that's absolutely set in the 1970s in japan it's it also takes a lot of influence from 20s and 30s era japan and and that kind of sensibility and i think there's something really cool about this this game and also this my summer vacation games where they have a very specific point of view and a specific uh nostalgic quality to them that that some other games don't uh and i think part of it is millennium kitchen is a very small developer right? the the last the last mm. time somebody checked in wikipedia says they have eight employees as of 2013 which was a while ago um right. but you know i i doubt they've gotten many more than eight at this point uh so that's pretty cool that these games were made with a, a very singular focus i mean we we talk about something like Death Stranding these days where it's like, oh yeah, that's a Hideo Kojima game. It is, but it's also like a thousand people working on this game uh, mm-hmm. in, in all sorts of different capacities. But in, in this game, it's it's eight. And I know we've gotten smaller. Like yeah. we could go to Cave Story if we wanted to see like one or two people With working the, you on know, games. And budgets to scale as well too. It's right. like a very different kind of development world yeah. uh, when dealing with this kind of game compared to something like Red Dead Redemption or Death Stranding. Absolutely. Um, so let's let's finish up here about the story anyway, and let's mm-hmm. dip a little bit more into spoiler territory. Um, I, I really like a lot of what this game's story is doing. You know, these small towns, too, kids, yeah. their imaginations are running away with them. We kind of mentioned the Super 8 thing, although Super 8 ended up being real, which is disappointing to me. I, I and, and Firewatch, Firewatch actually didn't go all the way. It, it came back and said, no, none of that was real. I just thought some of the stuff it was saying, saying was kind of stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I appreciate these stories of this child imagination that then snaps back at the end and it realized like, oh, that wasn't real. But because of the child's animation, you know, that uh, imagination, that's where, that's where yeah. the, the heart is. But this game... <sighs> kind of just kind of bends bends reality almost like in a magical realism kind of way uh something like birdman like yeah where mm-hmm. what it, what is what is reality in this story and it constantly kind of bends like wait uh because basically like soda's going around town making new friends but he also winds up at the tv station that's in town as well too and it becomes part of the uh, was it the space force uh, space? The, uh, I wrote it. I wrote it down. The uh, the space. Yep. It's SDD. It's the space yep. defense you department. The pennants and everything to put on your bag and mm-hmm. everything. It's really cool. And uh, yeah, he like uh, all the kids are wondering like every week. There's these monsters that come out on Friday night, uh, and uh, they wonder like where do they go? Where do they come from? What are their what's their deal? And you find their tracks. You follow them back to this shed where there's a bulletin like a board saying like oh here's the schedule for the week mm-hmm. and because we the audience are like you know a little bit older than a kid can understand like oh this is like a tv show this is like a 
like uh, I said, like a kaiju or a uh, a uh, Tokuga Tatsu TV show. Right. Since there's you know and not, props and everything. And not only that, like that's like that's where the card game comes from. The card game is mm-hmm. based on the monsters from the show and the yep. the space defense department. There's, merchandising there's, where the real money of the movie is made. <laughs> yes, merchandising and promotion stuff. The the space defense department stuff you see all over the the. Uh, TV broadcast area, and even like the producer is the one that gives you the badge. She's freaking out because how am I going to put together this week's show? Right, and it's all like just like a nice little undercurrent where Sota doesn't really like understand what's going on, but he has this idea of in his head, oh, like this, like these things are real. And at the very end of it, when you start seeing a giant kaiju fighting off against a giant uh, superhero, mm-hmm. you're like, wait, what's going on? Right. And and even before that, like there there's uh we, mm-hmm. we talked about Frank. The spaceship, Let, the UFO. Let's talk Frank. Let's talk a little bit more about Frank. Like when when this game seems like the story is just going in this very cute way of oh, their imaginations are running wild and and you know they're the kaiju are really just these people in suits going for the the uh, tv station stuff they're just filming the show yeah. frank's just you know he's a little odd he's whatever maybe he's just placating the kid and letting him know oh yeah hey i'm an alien maybe he's a foreigner too like that kind of falls in line with a lot of productions of these totally. kind of shows too like uh in my research i have the criterion collection of the showa era godzilla films awesome and a couple of them, uh, the one more pertaining to this show is Godzilla versus uh, Megalon, but, uh, uh, but there's one called Invasion of the Astro Monsters that I, I watched a little bit the other night. And there's an American uh, actor in it called Nick Adams, who basically he just uh, is like in a spaghetti Western or Italian production. They would have a lot of American actors and Italian actors. The Italian actors would speak in Italian. The American actors would speak in English. This is the same kind of thing. Sure. Like all the Japanese actors are speaking in Japanese, but you can definitely tell in the uh, uh, Japanese uh, dub version of it that Nick is uh, his character Glenn, who's also a uh, an astronaut in this movie, <laughs> going to Planet Good. X that apparently revolves around uh, the planet Jupiter, and and uh, King Ghidorah hides out at all the time. Oh, sweet. Regardless, but you can see that he is speaking in English through the like if you read his lips and they overdubbed in Japanese. Sure. Uh, but I think Frank is kind of like, hey, he's the Gaijin actor for our, uh, you know, weekly TV show. And I think he like puts on to show it's like, no, I'm really an alien, mm-hmm. totally. Um, it's like the the uh, was the uh, ramen chef uh, of the the town calls him Frankfurter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And shows like don't call him piece of meat <laughs> or a hot dog don't call him a hot dog uh, it's it's good and but then like it, i guess it could be implied or like this is the now fever dream of sota or his imagination is actually mm-hmm. you know coming out into the world or it's being displayed to us as players but frank da- is like is revealed to really be an alien <laughs> kind of there's like some post credit scene we'll get to at the very end of this but it's yeah but I, I see it more as like frank just putting on this is really like we are and you know yes and no it is real and you know no this is just a tv show but gotta keep in mind like when you're a kid things that seem very like small to us now are very big and 
can be very real. Sure, and I'm all uh, for the smoke when you're that age. I'm all for the smoke and mirrors stuff that they're they're playing with. But then like, at the very climax of the game, like a woman gets picked up and captured by one of the monsters. It's like, well, wait a yep. minute. Now, like this is this is really happening though. <laughs> like this is <laughs> exactly it, like Soda falls and then suddenly peers in the ramen bar for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that 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 part is like very like it plays very loose. But yeah, at the very end of the game when you figure out like, oh, the monsters are actually here, the entire production sh- uh, show goes up to this hill uh where they start shooting the big fight scene that supposedly is at the end of the episode and you find out that your dad had come here 10 years before like you tried to your super mild-mannered dad who's like he yep. he runs the laundry and he he does talk about how he failed to get into the space defense department and it, it again it just sounds like placating his son like oh yeah hey i almost was a hero but you know it didn't work out for me i'm glad you mm. i'm glad they picked you though ha 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 and no, it turns out he's he actually is a hero. And then, yeah, he literally comes out and becomes a hero. And this that's kind of what I like about this whole story is like what we see like as a story. Oh, yeah, it could play out this way as being just some kid's runaway imagination. But in the story, it presents itself as being literal. Oh, there's a giant kaiju here. And his dad literally comes out and grows big and becomes like the, the hero that saves the day. Yeah. Uh, for the, this whole episode, I I get it. I I guess I would have preferred something closer to like uh, sodas on that hill, and and like something bumps him off, and mm. he thinks it's the monster, and his dad yeah. is there to catch him or something, or his dad is there to to grab his arm and pull him back up. So his dad, quote unquote, saved him from the monster, but it's also still like just like this is a plausible real life thing. I think you could have gotten there without getting into the abstract of, of mm-hmm. that, but I I understand that hey, this is a video game and it is fun to to play around with some of that stuff. And if it is the imagination, then it is you know going that way, and it's just kind of uh, evoking itself into the actual game itself. In the same way, it kind of like with watching kind of like kaiju movies and stuff like that, you still have to use your imagination sure. for a lot of the special effects. We both like uh, Kaiju Big Battle, and that is a very cheesy kind of thing to watch and enjoy. <laughs> I mean, it's, but if you just imagine to... that, yes, that guy got hit with a freeze beam, and sure. the the hero has to go out and get a, get the hot sauce from the the uh, <laughs> the merch table to unfreeze his tag buddy so they can continue the fight. Like watching wrestling is already one step of of exactly. delaying that that yeah. and then that logic that logic that goes in your mind and then Kaiju Big Battle is like 30 steps further than that of just absolute ridiculousness. Uh it's so much better though. But yeah, very true. Uh but I I guess I guess I'm already letting my imagination go with something like that mm. where i don't i don't feel like the game set those stakes so then when yeah. it when it goes by it, it that's a small quibble for me and it's it's like a small i think that's a fair 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 criticism though too because when it gets to that very end point in this game the climax it kind of just kind of like oh wait is wait what is that really what's going on here yeah it, it... and then we get to that epilogue right i mean it's i it seems a little harsh to say, but I feel like it's a bit of a cop out where kind of where I think you could have told a, a I think you were telling a really interesting story about being a kid, uh, being in a small town, growing up, 
dealing with your this imagination uh, and and I think they kind of just ended up taking the easy way out where they're like, yeah, the monsters were kind of real the whole time, even though they weren't real the whole time. And it just doesn't make it come together as cleanly as I kind of wanted it to. But uh, you're, you're, yeah. we're talking about this epilogue. Why don't you uh, why don't you tell the folks at home? About well, basically, after your dad wins uh, this, this kaiju fight saves the day, which also has this really awesome kind of uh, shot where like this mud splashes across all the clean white uh laundry almost like something out of like evangelion mm-hmm. or something like that contemporary today and that was a very that, like when blood splash splashes on the building or something and that was such a big moment at the beginning well i mean it was like the first moment of the game during that that song yeah. that's sung they're talking about the there's no clouds in the sky but there are just all these white shirts hung on a line and those mm-hmm. kind of feel like the clouds and it goes into the dry yeah. cleaners so it, it is kind of a cool moment that these these bright white brilliant shirts are now stained with with the blood with the mud i'm sorry <laughs> not blood but yeah but the, the imagery is really solid i i just wanted mm-hmm. to point out that see because it's just it happens and it's such a cool little touch uh but yeah so like after the whole like it's friday's over we go into saturday and we see frank and s chan who's the other transfer girl that we also talked to during the story the, the uh, sixth cutest about, girl like, yes in in school you yes mean? the sixth cutest girl in this <laughs> Yeah, that's just so weird. But anyway, that's how kind of kids talk sometimes. Yeah, too, totally. They don't like you know when you're shy and you don't know somebody, you make up a name for somebody or like what you know it's that. And all the kids have nicknames. Like Charlie Brown, it's like the cute redhead girl. Like we never know who that girl is right. through most of this the, the Peanuts is run, but it's just that kind of character in this small little world. And you mentioned Billboard. Talking, you mentioned Billboard, who's yep, Billboard like who's too. the son of the of the sign maker. So that's why they call him mm-hmm. Billboard. Uh, there's yep. a plus who is smart is super smart <laughs> so everybody's kind of got names these nicknames that that tie into ramen their character the kid whose dad is the ramen chef right named yeah. ramen. they're not it's a very like just they're not like the most a clever microcosm of this neighborhood <laughs> uh but at the very end after like the song and everything you hear you see s chan and frank talking at the ramen bar and it's like ah oh, yes uh, we you know remember we are both aliens here I, I kind of think, though, that's still, like, because you mentioned, like, S-Chan's narrating this whole thing. That's her remembering this kind of time in her life. Mm-hmm. And it's I think that's kind of still just playing at the fact, like, you know, these kids, they're just in an age of innocence. Let's keep up that illusion of just, like, you know, yeah, this is real, but it's for fun. Yeah. In a way. It, I mean, and the the game also does have, it has a lot of influences. And we've talked about some, and I think we'll we'll talk about them a little bit more in yeah. detail here in a second. But one of the one of the ones that that feels pretty clear to me is is Studio Ghibli movies, and mm. and I it, it might not be that it's directly ways, yeah. it might not be that it's directly influenced by it's more that I'm sure both of them are influenced by the same things. Kind of like like my neighbor Totoro's. Uh, I still have to watch that whole movie, but I own it too. I, I, I got, feel so ashamed. I so I love Ghibli movies, but I got super bored by Totoro. I think that I think I, I think I'll like that because you know Kiki Delivery Service sure. is one of my favorites, just because it's such a nice breezy kind of movie with such great characters. But yeah, I can I can kind of see where you're coming from with like how this is like a Ghibli kind of uh, feel. It to centers it around it's kids, so lighthearted, lighthearted. Yeah, like quiet, quiet Japanese town. Like it, it feels very much like a Totoro or like a Kiki or like a Ponyo in in those kinds of uh, trappings. 
but I, I think that might be more due to both of them, both of those kinds of uh, media having nostalgia for that 70s, mm-hmm. that 20s, that 30s feel that they're kind of pulling yeah. from. And at, at that time, there was like a, a Studio Ghibli didn't exist at that point. That was, uh, I believe Miyazaki was working with uh, uh, Monkey Punch, working on the Lupin series mm-hmm. and uh, Sherlock Hound. Uh, if you're familiar with that one as well, too. Uh, but really, the, the in the seventies, you mean? What... They, they've been around. Yes. Okay. In 2013, when uh, this game was made. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, like the set, yeah. setting of the of the game. Yes. 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 But in, for, in terms of the setting of the game, the big the big influence of this is kaiju and the uh, toku uh, tokusatsu series of shows and movies uh, that uh, for that started kind of with Ultraman, mm-hmm. uh, other kind of. Uh, Henshin kind of uh, TV shows like Kirk Rider, uh, Common Rider. Mm-hmm. Uh, our favorites, like uh, we grew up in like the 90s, if you knew like things like Power Rangers, uh, VR Troopers. Right. Uh, the list goes on. Big Bag Beetleborg, uh, Big Bag Beetleborgs. Uh, what else uh, can I come up with? Uh, tattooed Alien, Tattooed Teenage Alien Fighters from Beverly Ooh, Hills. Man, you're uh, you're running circles around me. <laughs> uh, very offshoot ones like Mystic Knights of Tirano. Holy shit. Uh, uh, man, I, I could go on all day with these kind of shit. But, uh, I focused a little on kind of checking out since I have the uh, the Criterion collection of the, the Showa Godzilla films mm-hmm. from Criterion. It's a massive DVD set and like a booklet, just massive book of these uh uh, series during the Showa era in Japan, the the, uh, the emperor at that time, pretty much from the first Godzilla film uh, in uh, 1954, and then going all the way to the terror of Mechagodzilla in 1975. So that's a large swath of Godzilla that's films. A lot of time. And so uh, pretty much uh, Studio Tohu still still around uh, to this day. They tried to do their own kind of uh, Tokukatsu kind of shows as well too. Uh, one of them being, uh, was it Zero? Uh, I'm, I'm going to look that up uh, right now in my notes. Uh, uh, Zone Fighter. Mm. I don't know if you got a chance to watch that episode. I, I, I didn't. You, I didn't. What? Tell me more about Zone Fighter. It's pretty much exactly uh, like you think. It is a Toho produced, uh, uh, Toho produced. The uh, tokukatsu show that it involves these this family of people that they can transform into superheroes okay and they can also grow uh good <laughs> into giant uh uh fighters when the time is needed pretty much at the end of the episode but also godzilla king Ghidorah, Gidon show up as well too so it's kind of like a japanese incredibles in a, in a way much. yeah it's like a brother and sister uh older brother sister and then a younger younger brother as well too like kid kid brother mm-hmm. they can all transform transform you know they have to you know there's mystery involved as well with a alien force that is always sending the monster of the week down sure. to fight uh so Toe did that for a while to kind of like get get in on that ultraman pie that was going on but they also did a movie called godzilla versus megalon that came out in uh, let's see here. In 1973, but didn't come out to the States until around late 70s. Uh, this one, it was, uh, you can find a Mystery Science uh, Theater 3000 uh, episode on as well, too. It's not one of the better Showa era 
uh, Godzilla movies, they had a very, very truncated production schedule. Because it, it's to... barely a Godzilla movie, right? Well, they the, at first it was going to be uh, a kind of the main hero was a robot called Jet Jaguar, which was uh, decided on because of a contest that they put out to uh, uh, kids across Japan. It's like, hey, design the next superhero for this Toho movie that we're doing. And the winner, uh, the design is pretty much like Ultraman and Manganzer Z. Because uh, the kid was that one was a fan of those sure. two shows at the time, uh, but then the studio thought, well, this show, this movie is not going to be able to uh, sell well unless we add something to it. So they decided to add Godzilla and Ghidon to the mix. <laughs> the whole movie is kind of a mess in that regards. They use a lot of stock footage. They had roughly, uh, I'm trying to to look up here. I think they had like like three months of production or something like that to get this whole thing done when it was all said and done they were all ready to go and shot in a matter of weeks uh but yeah it's basically just a mishmash of this sea culture under underground called the Seatopians that uh are pissed off that of that the world is still doing nuclear tests uh this time in the aleutian islands in alaska so they send megalon to the surface <laughs> As, as uh, while do. also, yep, while also uh, sending their agents to uh, kidnap or something to this guy, this robotics guy that is making Jet Jaguar to, for some reason, he's an inventor <laughs> of robotics. And he's got to make something. And uh, basically, they send their two hired hitmen to uh, kidnap him or something. You know how movies kind of like set up like like events like characters and what they're going to do kind of early on like who they are and what their roles are sure this <laughs> you know storytelling of that yeah this movie does none of that great it doesn't bother it just puts you into this Ugh. like situation after situation uh but this movie came out in like 78 in america and uh a little bit edited they took the title screen out uh there was a bit of like just background pornography like there's these two truck drivers that are sending two of the main characters off uh they don't know the truck driver doesn't know because the the hitman or whatever hired them just to hey we're just going to throw this giant uh uh container into this fissure that opened up in in this lake which is where megalon came from <laughs> apparently and uh and where Sitope is i guess i don't know and there's pornography, like just pinups, like from like Playboy in the back of their, like in the back headrest sure, of the truck. Sure. So they have to cut that out for America during the 70s, of course. Uh, John Belushi apparently did promos when this played on NBC back in the day, wow. dressed as Godzilla, like he did on Saturday Night Live. None of that exists on the internet, so good luck finding That's that. That's amazing. How yeah. how could that not exist on the internet? You think that I would be something know, somebody would find? People were recording at that time. I like, guess. It's hard to find these very old. At this point, very old recordings. And yeah, like pretty much most of the movie is Jet Jaguar trying to fight off Megalon and then Ghidon, which Zootopia can apparently just summon at will, uh, until Godzilla finally comes in and helps save the day. Uh, Jet Jaguar also grows just out of sheer determination. That's Apparently to awesome. the creator. Uh, there's just... <laughs> so much there's no fights inside like cities or anything like that that's how bad the kind of production is mm. and the fights are just absolutely hilarious and jet jaguar also gets a theme song at the very end great 
is <laughs> sure. It, this it's a mess of a movie, but that's kind of like the idea of what a like a low budget kind of this kind of inspiration is for the time. I'm sure there are clips on YouTube that people can go and watch parts of this movie in some form or fashion. I probably would check out the Mystery Science sure. uh, Theater 3001. And then if you're still interested in seeing this movie, uh, yeah, seek out the DVDs. You can probably find it in any used places or seek out the Criterion Collection. And there's still copies available. And then after that, watch a better Godzilla movie. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, there there are so many better Godzilla movies. <laughs> but it's it's a fun fun godzilla movie i'll say absolutely that. so i mean yeah it, we get kaiju we get godzilla stuff uh definitely ultraman is is a very explicit reference um maybe even like some more of the 70s like super robot anime that you get you, yeah you, like uh, you mentioned mazinger z uh, touches on 28 uh the otomo anime we know is a gigantor here in the united states mm-hmm. that's also kind of an inspiration as well uh zambot 3 daitarn 3 mm-hmm uh all, all, a lot of these are also represented in in super robot wars which is a game that if you listen to our uh game game of the year 2019 you know <laughs> that favorite series i like this bad series a lot and it's got some of these some of these characters and mechs in there that are, that are pretty cool uh and then also like a, a character like Tekaman, who who you might mm-hmm. remember from uh, cap capcom versus tatsunoku or sorry tatsunoku versus mm-hmm. capcom that fighting game yeah, out for the right. for the wii um, so a, a lot of these kinds of things all kind of come together to, to form yep. this era. And that's, a, a, but really that's like all the setting and media around Sota because the, the town is still very small and very cut off from, from everything else. It is this very quiet place other than the monsters. So it seems to have this kind of juxtaposition, this balance uh, between the, the big monster fight stuff and then all this quiet uh, quiet, mm. uh, like economic boom of of Japan in the like twenties, thirties, uh, yeah. that kind of time, uh, or even I guess actually it's more like later fifties, like after they yeah the post war Japan went through that economic miracle for a time. Right. They were the second largest economy before China rose up in the late twentieth uh, late twenty first right. century. So uh, history, they, yeah, history with that, Matt and Chase. History, history, history. <laughs> Maybe we should stop doing hysteria. a game podcast and just start talking about history. Bring back hysteria. <laughs> um, all right. Well, let's talk a, a very tiny bit about this game's legacy before we before we roll out. This is a 2013 game, yeah. so there's not a ton of, of legacy to talk about. Uh, I, I do think that Attack of the Friday Monsters is kind of the standout of the Guild series, uh, especially in the States. It seems like it's the only one that I hear people talk about. Um, I, I hear people talk about Crimson Shrouded really? a bit here and there, too. Okay. Yeah, just because the director is known for Vagrant Story and sure, sure. Uh, Final Fantasy Tactics, but also because it's very much rooted in Dungeons & Dragons, which can be very relatable here, too, as well. Yeah, having having some of that name recognition, which this game didn't have because we didn't play the Bocono Nazi Yasumi games over here because we didn't have them. Um, a game, a game made by Grasshopper and Suda is is probably going to get more attention than that, or a game by KG and Fune mm. is going to get more attention than that. But for for whatever reason, it seemed like this game kind of held its own. Uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's it's been in the conversation of a lot of end of decade kind of favorites for the handheld mm-hmm. as well too. It's got a seventy seven on Metacritic, if that matters to you. Um, but mm. weirdly, uh, Millennium Kitchen has not released a game since Attack of the Friday Monsters. Really? Yeah, uh, that's 2013. It's a while ago, mm. but uh, they do seem to be working on a couple of, of future Boku no Natsuyasumi games uh, for different consoles. 
uh, I think one for iOS maybe or mobile, and then the other one okay. for a PlayStation platform. Um, I I can't think of many other games that have really taken and run with this kind of an idea. I mean, you see a little bit of it in games like Animal Crossing, like we mentioned, uh, Stardew mm-hmm. Valley to a, to an extent, uh, even though that's taking much more from a game like more Harvest, Harvest Moon. Moon yeah. um, but, but there are definitely other games out there that even if they weren't directly influenced by Attack of the Friday Monsters, definitely have that DNA of... Yeah. These quieter... Like we mentioned Night in the Woods. Kind yeah. Of like just a very... Kind of slices slice of life kind of mentality to it. I'd even say mentality to, to an extent like a Kentucky Route Zero. A little bit. Like a, a tiny mm. little bit. Which maybe, I really just maybe. want to mention because that game's about to come out. It just got announced for yeah. uh, January 28th <laughs> for Switch, the TV yeah. edition. Um, Most anticipated games of 2020. Very, very excited to, to play that. we got a busy end of January coming it's, up. It's going to be a very fun... It's going to be a very fun year for me, I think. I, I'm, I'm extremely surprised uh, that, you know, last year, despite having a bunch of sequels to games I really loved, it felt kind of disappointing to me. And this mm. year, it seems like this is going to be the real year of, of my kinds of games when you get something like Tokyo Mirage Sessions coming out next week and, <laughs> and uh, next week. Kentucky Route Zero coming out later this month. And uh, just lots of final fantasy 7 remake who knows hopefully that'll be good um lot, lots of good stuff in 2020 for sure but we already talked about that on our last podcast uh matt before before out. we go uh is there anything you've been playing recently that you want to talk about handheld wise well uh handheld wise i've been playing a little bit of ori and the blind Force. really okay yes. so handheld wise you're playing this on, on the switch right yes okay. yes absolutely it's playing on the switch light uh, it came from Microsoft Game Studios, mm-hmm. and uh, I forget the developer of this, so I feel bad, but uh, I can't remember really that. enjoying it. Yeah, uh, really enjoying it. It's a uh, pretty much like a platformer Metroidvania uh, with, with action as well, too. Stunningly animated and uh, just really enjoying it. It's kind of like on a level of like, uh, like a first-run Celeste kind of difficulty, like not too difficult, not super hard, but, you know, pretty much a challenge mm-hmm. if you, you know you're trying to you can't really stumble your way through it you gotta really think think out your platforming to get through it uh really enjoying that uh funny that you can sign into your xbox live account on a nintendo console and get achievements it's very weird uh, very very weird but i'm collecting those achievements still now on xbox i remember the first it's been a while i remember the first time i played uh, uh i forgot the name of the game but it's that that um puzzle word game that you could play on ios but it had xbox achievements oh, on yeah. it yeah 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 ah, um, so weird i forget bookworm not bookworm. no it wasn't bookworm uh something else yeah. but anyway yeah it's it's super weird you can get that in cuphead and sign in and with your xbox live account yeah. and yeah i'm really enjoying this one i'll probably definitely play it to completion have, have uh, they announced that, yeah, have they announced that the sequel will also come to switch not yet okay. they just that's not even out yet on xbox right, so right. i would assume like a year or two later if they can port it over they'll do that and they're still on good grounds yeah. you know standing grounds with uh, each other nintendo and microsoft i mean they would probably do that and but it's still nintendo kind of... might have better hardware by that time to be able to yeah. run a game that's newer like uh, that kind of interesting what your thoughts on uh not only that but also what alienware dell alienware has been uh teasing at ces i think that's ridiculous they're they're kind of switch equivalent 
but yeah. you know if it works for if it if it allows me to play more cool small titles then i'm all for it and, and a machine like yeah. that is is made for those it's not it's it probably can it's a prototype just to just to be sure. clear like this may or may not come out right. but uh, to, to clue people in at ces 2020 they alienware and dell have announced that they are coming out with their own kind of uh dock in dock out portable uh computer on the go that looks oddly like a lot like the switch but more trapezoidal <laughs> yeah i guess they just kind of sanded the symmetry. edges off yeah yeah but the like the clips into the joy-con like controllers that they have look oddly exactly mm-hmm. like the nintendo switch as with the cradle to put the said controllers into to you know presumably put on to a bigger screen uh i'm all for the competition and everything it just looks kind of samey yeah. like like playstation doing six axis after the wii was announced and it's like oh we gotta do something too really uh <laughs> But who knows how that that's how that went. But anyway, uh I think I think Switch Pro though, like I think they're due for some sort of hardware bump. Cause we know with like iOS and Android devices and even computers, you can still play a vast majority of the old games on older hardware and new games as well too. But a little bump in like performance can go a long way as well. So I think that's where I stand on it. They're gonna just do an incremental bump that will make everything play on the old one in the same kind of uh, ecosystem and infrastructure that they have. And even new games, you can play on your old versions of the Switch or Switch Lite that still run, just not the best. Right. You know, whatever. But what do they call it, Matt? They call it the new Switch. The new, the new Nintendo Switch <laughs> this is, XL. This is Nintendo. They'll come up with any <laughs> name, and it's just going to be a coin flip as if it sticks or not, and people get confused or not. Yeah. Who knows? I, I just kind of hope it feels... I, I would like to see a little bit more from the hardware design. Uh, there was a, an article that came out, I think it was today or, or yesterday, from when we're recording this anyway, which I guess doesn't mm. matter to listeners, um, from Chris Kohler at, at uh, Kotaku that's mm. talking about the you know the 25 best handheld systems ever and he's going through a lot of these and uh, like you know the spoiler here the ds light one as as like the, oh, num- nice. the number one spot and part of it was it's a good you choice. know good the the original ds was a, a very groundbreaking system but i don't think anyone would say it looks all that good <laughs> And the, I like my DS Fat trapezoid shell. I love my stupid designed. silver DS Fat, absolutely. But the, that D that pad's pretty good in some respects. I suppose so. The stylus is whatever. The screen sizes were very the small. T- the brightness on the screens are terrible. Yeah, but but the D- the light is definitely better. that DS light is incredible. It is it is maybe my favorite handheld system to just play games on so i i'm kind of if you could I'm only just play original game boy games on that it'd be the it'd perfect be nice. handheld system. yeah like in in our situation but you can play game boy advance on that. that's true unlike the game boy the, the, the dsi ds light yeah dsi yeah. Yes, DSi, DSi is where they fucked it over uh to just try to get in more of i like i like features. that that design of the dsi though it's so nice and sleek and matte and it's just it looks so sleek because they took away the the so bottom nice. part where you could put your gba I games <laughs> but it's it's not it feels so good it feels so yeah. good i wish they went back to a matt well they did with uh the switch yeah. uh but i i'd like to see the switch have i guess more of a hardware overhaul i don't think the switch is a bad looking system like it's it's mainly no, just no. a screen with two controllers attached to it because that's and even the switch light it's 
it looked like, it looks fine. I it looks enjoy that form factor and just like the color designs that they have on that. So it's like it, to me, it's not more of like the outward design features. It's more of like what can we do to add a little more bump to the CPU. Sure. And like their ideas, like oh, it's going to output in 4K. I'm like, mm, I don't think it doesn't really need 4K at this point. Like, all right, Matt. Maybe let, let like me the... let me throw an idea out here at you. All right. All right. What all if right. it also had a touchpad in the back of the system? Uh, mm, yeah. Yeah. What do you think? Um, like it had it, then, it had this back touch uh, capability that you just accidentally what, hit all the time. Tearaway now finally on the switch. Yeah. There you go. Sure. <laughs> so I I can pretend my fingers coming up between the paper. I mean that was kind of cool, but I don't, I don't know. Like then then you have to design new controllers. Then you're gonna definitely have. A split between certain games. I was like, on I was a hundred percent kidding. The back touch is are, the absolute still, worst like, part of the Vita. Oh my god, <laughs> that was such a bad idea. Tearaway was cool. Tearaway was Tearaway made made it kind of cool, but yeah, that was such a weird design it was, choice. It was like, the second triggers for Marvel vs. Capcom three, which is also not I'm really a port you should. I'm play. holding a Steam controller in my hand. Ooh. What if we had? What if we no. had buttons no. that were touchpads and back Stop buttons? Stop it. All customized. I, I had to buy the Nyko or the Mad Cats or whatever the fuck it was. The, the, um, it's clicky. I think it's Nyko. was the, the left switch Joy-Con that had the D-pad on it. It's like I can't, I can't deal with these buttons. I need a real D-pad, and you're over here telling Could me. Could you just bought a Switch Lite? Yeah, I guess so. But you're over here telling me that we need two touch pads. Get the fuck out of here. We ain't doing that shit. <laughs> two touch D-pads. No, Come on. No. How else are you gonna play Dota on the couch? I don't. I don't want to play Dota at all, especially <laughs> not on the couch. Oh. oh man. All right. I think that's probably a good place to end it. Um, for me, handheld wise, I'm you know now that I'm free, I'm playing a lot more Super Robot Wars V. Of course uh, you are. Which is I still have not gotten to where I was <laughs> in the PlayStation Four version. I haven't gotten my Evangelion units back yet. Uh, ah, that's when shit's really gonna worthless. pop up. I did just get Amuro Ray though, so you know OG Gundam. Well, he's in yeah. he's in his Char's counterattack. You know what? Never mind. We're not gonna. <laughs> Don't turn your back, Amuro. <laughs> uh, I I will spare all the listeners from hearing more about uh my anime exploits um in the meantime I can, I can hear a little more <laughs> well we'll talk off air in the meantime matt uh why don't you tell the listeners where they can follow you or where else they can hear you or see you on the internet uh if you want to follow me on twitter it's uh jiggy san g-i-g-g-y-s-a-n and if you want to hear me i've been on the uh, since we heavily focused on Japan this week, uh, definitely put my friend Tyler Abstract's show, Abstract Japan. Right now he's my man in Japan, and he does a show whenever he feels like it that is a collection of songs of not your typical J-pop or whatever, very on the experimental side, but he'll play whatever you request. Uh, usually tries to mix it up with things he has not played before, though, so keep that in mind when you do requests. But abstractjapan.com, he usually just chit-chats for a bit, plays some music, blows your mind. And sends you to another universe and brings you back safely. I have a lot of typical J-pop I would like him to play for me. <laughs> Just send your su- suggestions, Abstract Japan on Twitter uh, or abstractjapan.com, where you can find all the links to past and present episodes. I just wanted to play the whole... I just wanted to play every Lucy 2 song that's ever made because Lucy 2 <laughs> Lucy two rules. Um, that's good. That's good. As for Gamers on the Go, you can uh, go to gamersonthego.com to find our uh, home that's where you can find all of our episodes and all of our writings um 
you can see the lists that Matt and I made for our top 10 games of, uh, of 2019, top 10 handheld games of 2019. Uh, you can follow the show on Twitter at GOTG Podcast and write into us and let us know your thoughts on any of the games that we talk about or what your top 10 handheld games of, of 2019 was or even what you're looking forward to this year. Or if you want to suggest a future episode, I'll take it into a, under it. advisement for sure. Um, has to be handheld or mobile. Has game. to be handheld or mobile. Bear but that we'll, in mind. Uh, we do we do fudge some stuff around here when when possible. Sometimes. Um, I know that Matt and I have been talking. I'm not going to say any shows that we have in the future here, but Matt and I have been talking about some ideas of of future shows that we can do. Uh, I've got some other people that I'm also talking to about potential shows in the future. And then we'll get to that Golden Sun episode some someday. Point. Someday, Golden Sun. God, I love Golden Sun. Uh, we'll get to that. Um, uh, I will say there's going to be a little cross promotion here real soon. I'm doing, uh, I have another podcast that I do with some friends here in St. Louis where I live uh, called The Casual Hour. And uh, we're about to do a deep dive. We do a deep dive into a particular topic uh, once a month. And this time it's my turn. So I've got a, uh, it's, it's been a secret so far. I haven't even told the, the guys on the show what I'm going to be talking about. Oh, yeah? Um, but Scoops. It's, uh, I, I will say that it is about a Nintendo peripheral that will, okay. uh, that will be somewhat relevant for uh, my Gamers on the Go audience here. So uh, The, the, uh, not, the sewing not, machine add-on for the you, Game Boy damn Color. Damn it, Matt. I, you, you got it. Nailed you got it. it. You one got shot. it in one shot. No, it's it's not that. It's something uh, maybe <laughs> maybe played with a, a touch more by people. Uh, um, but I'll uh, I will have I, I'll definitely throw that up in the show notes when once that episode appears. Uh, but then I will also have a cross post. I'm gonna have a, a writing post that uh, is kind of all that information collected, and I will put that on gamersonthego.com so you can read about that. Uh, obscure is the wrong word, but I'm not, I'm no, no more hints. No more hints. You'll get to read about that. No more hints. Cause I, I could go for a few more guesses. You can guess is, off is air. Pocket you can guess off air, sir. Matt, oh, damn. Matt, I appreciate you coming on. We'll have you on again <laughs> very soon. I'm sure. Anytime. Um, thank you very much. Uh, and go play, go play, uh, attack of the Friday monsters of Tokyo tale. Yeah. Eight bucks. Eight bucks. It's only a couple couple hours to get through and it's just a very charming charming little tale they, about growing they up. should put this on the switch <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> they should put everything on the switch but they should put this on the yeah. switch um yes go go load up your 3ds charge it because it's probably been forever since you've played it uh or, <laughs> or you know what probably still has a charge it's probably still has probably a tiny still bit has of charge, charge left um so plug in your 3ds go to the eShop, pick up attack of the friday monsters of tokyo tale and, uh, and tell us what you think about it. Anyway, Matt, thanks again for coming on, and we will talk to you soon. Hey,